0: Hi parents. Today I am so excited because another interview is coming your way. Today I'm interviewing Amy, a different Amy than before. This Amy is a single mom whose just 15 year old daughter went to wilderness, followed by several treatment programs. I want you to listen to how Amy discovered her emotionally enmeshed patterns with her daughter and how she learned to step back from being an emotionally helicopter parent and also A really interesting realization that it is the family system as a whole that needed to shift, not just her daughter. It really does begin with us parents. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Parenting Post-Wilderness, your guide to parenting struggling teens. I'm your host, Beth Hillman, a mom of five boys, including a post-wilderness teen and a life coach for parents. I will guide you on how to influence lasting change by first understanding the relationship-changing power of focusing on your own behavior instead of futile attempts to control your teens. Parents, the change begins with us. Hello, parents. Welcome to the podcast today. We have another awesome interview by another mom named Amy. (laughs) It's actually not the same (laughs) Amy as a little while back. It's a new Amy and we're so happy to have her. Hi. Hi. How's it going today? It's going well. Thank you. Awesome. I'm super excited to have you on today. Um, Let's go ahead and start off a little bit. If you could just give us a little bit of context um, about your journey with um, your
1: kiddos. Sure. Um, So I am a single parent, and I have a 16 and a 14 year old currently. Um, My 16 year old is my uh, child who um, went to treatment. And she went to treatment about a year and nine months ago. So in February of 2020. Mm. And she came home in um, December of, of 2021. So almost a year ago. Um, so she struggled with just a lot of um, depressive thoughts and anxiety and self-harm and suicide ideation. So those were her main issues or manifestations. She did not have, uh, substance abuse, but I kind of, you know, learned through treatment that these are all, um, whether it be substances or self-harm, it's all, you know, self-harm type behavior or, or addictions. So I guess I would say, um, that her, her kind of drug of choice would be the self-harm. Um, mm. so she went to treatment, uh, we tried everything at home at first, um, like a PHP, and just decided she needed something more and probably something less clinical, um, like cl- clinical feeling to her. Um, so, uh, Wilderness was our next step after after trying things at home. So, she was in Wilderness for 106 days. Not that I
0: counted. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And how many minutes? Yeah. Um, th- I love it. That- you mentioned that you tried some things at home. I mean, of course, of course you did, right? So what would you say was the time period? I know a lot of parents ask this question. A lot of parents wonder, how long should I be trying something at home? How long should I give it? What would you say to that?
1: I'm guessing it varies a lot per child. Like for her, it started with an antidepressant about nine months before And then this was all in the middle of COVID, too. So now we've thrown in the COVID variable, which I feel like if there's an underlying thing going on for anyone, it just ramped it up. So that happened. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it it squished that time frame a little bit. Um, So um, within, I would say, 10 months, she was in in a PHP and then went to wilderness uh, two to three months later.
0: Okay. So can you tell us about some of your feelings, your struggles as her mom trying to figure out what to do, when to do it, how bad you know is she like all those questions that go through our our minds I think as moms? Can you tell us and express some of those?
1: Yeah. Um I think a lot of it is like it's very difficult to find clarity to make these choices for your child when you're in some type of chaos. (laughs) Um, it's, it's hard to find stillness, um, to make choices and to get into your frontal lobe. Um, yeah. To really think. Right. Because we talk a lot about our kids being in their (laughs) reptilian brain, but I was like hanging out there as a mom and, Something I learned in wilderness, like through the parallel process I was going through, uh, you know, kind of alongside her, um, was that I, my emotions were were enmeshed with hers. So, you know, I feel like that phrase, you're only as happy as your least happy child, does <laughs> us this huge unservice as parents. Um, because Can nobody you give gets us- a medal for that, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I want... To
0: bring um I guess a just an awareness that every parent does that, right? Yeah. I don't know how you would raise a child with some care and and not get enmeshed. I really believe that i don't I've never talked to a parent who has never been enmeshed, but could you give us just a little example of what that looked like for you guys, what that enmeshment might have looked like?
1: Ooh, for me, I think part of it for me too, and I know it's natural for, for all parents, but I feel like I learned in my, my family of origin that I had to scan the family for moods and then, and then try to fix them. And I took them on as my own. Oh. And yeah, and I do it even in the grocery store. If someone by me is having a rough day, it's like, you know, surely I can fix that. Mm. Um, so for her, it would, it would be in the form of, or either of my children, you know, uh, they're walking up to the car after school and I'm looking at, you know, their shoulders are hanging. Um, they don't look happy, you know. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um,
0: and especially as a
1: mother, you know, you're like, oh. Yeah. So I would, I would scan for a mood when they're walking up to the car after school. I would see slumped shoulders or, you know, a sad face and then think, oh goodness, you know, they've had a bad day. And, it would go beyond just noticing it would be like my, I would allow my emotions to get just closely, closely enmeshed with theirs. Right. And so I think I was kind of as a parent, you know, I was aware of what, what is called helicopter parenting. And I was kind of self congratulatory about, you know, not helicoptering certain things like, you know, schoolwork or I would give them autonomy for science fair projects or whatever, but I was an emotional helicopter. I would mm-hmm. read those emotions, want to fix them. Um, right, and let's just take a minute. I just want to clarify that it is.
0: Um, it, there's not a problem to to yeah. look at your child and notice that they're not having a good day, right? That's yeah. just like that's just how it goes, especially because yes. you, you know them, you're aware of them, you know when their shoulders are up or shoulders are down, you you know what those eye rolls, <laughs> my yes. Mean that's not a problem. The problem is what? What happens to us as parents or what happened to you as the mom? When does
1: it get enmeshed? For me, it gets enmeshed when they're not okay. So I'm not okay.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Great. Yeah. And you make it
0: your problem then to fix them.
1: Yes. Great. Exactly. And then that just disables them or just from being able to make choices for themselves or have their own path. Um, if i'm there if
0: them they're trying to fix. Right. It's almost like if we take it upon ourselves to fix them, then they don't take it upon themselves to figure out what's going yeah. on. Yes. Yeah. It's almost like we steal it from them, although that is not our intention at all. Not at all. It's yeah. the opposite. Right. Did you ever hear yourself saying things like, "Oh my gosh, I just wanted to help."
1: Yes. Yes. And she even would say to me at one point, it's, a, I'm, I just need to be sad, you oh. know? Um, so I was even told by her and have since been told by her that, you know, she just needs to feel something.
0: So, oh, wow. Out of the mouths of babes.
1: <laughs> yes. And also I, I do think too, when you've had a kid go through, you know, some trauma or go through treatment that, um, You know, I'm I'm scanning just to make sure that she's okay enough. You know that there's not going to be any type of incident, or um, so um, you do. You know, want to provide safety, but then just a lot of allowing, Mm -hmm. a lot of like healthy healthy distance. Right.
0: So, how long do you think it took for you to understand that and actually really implement that? I guess in your parenting,
1: I feel like. It was pretty quick while she was away in the, in the wilderness program because a lot of, um, you know, you're diving deep into your own family system and yourself while they're there. Um, and so it was recognizing those patterns and being super involved in the support group there, meeting other uh, mothers who also just, we all talked about fixing and enmeshment um, and, and how to break those patterns mm-hmm. so it was it was definitely diving into the process, um, yeah, and I think you know it's you, there's the phrase you know you send them away you know you, it's like there's this idea if you haven't been through it that your kid goes away, and then they come back and then that's that's checked off, but the family is um, you know deeply involved in their own process.
0: Right, I'm so glad you said that I think there are a lot of wilderness companies out there, and maybe even up to hundreds. I don't even know, but some of them really are a drop off see a later parent um and I think that does quite a disservice to the family unit because problems aren't in the individual, right? The issues are family dynamic issues, and so at least I really believe that and so when a wilderness company understands that and encourages family work, I think you're, you're 10
1: miles ahead
0: of like a wilderness company who doesn't do that. What do you think about that?
1: Yes, yes, I agree. And that was definitely my experience. And it, while the child is away, you also are removing that chaos piece. So now you've got a little calm to bring your brain online so you can do the work and really dive in and you know a good wood- wilderness program will provide you with with a a strong and very very busy program like assignments and appointments and even like we couldn't do visits because of COVID but mm. um, we did have a family workshop where we went um, met other parents which was amazing um, but really dove into you know, uh, relationships and communication and, and all the components of, of family. Yeah.
0: I think it's such, that is something that I learned while my son was in wilderness too, was I have such a, I have an entire part to play here. And I am so grateful. I feel like more wilderness companies, more treatment, um, places, uh, schools, therapeutic boarding schools are realizing that the parents have just as much work as yes. the child. It's just different work.
1: Yes. And it's not the work of, um, what do, what are the parents doing wrong? Like what is wrong? It's more of more of a perspective of, okay, these are all just people. These are all just people trying to work it out and in their human experiences. So how are we all going to work this out together and be together
0: yeah. So, thank you for saying uh, that. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because it can feel that way, or oh, of you know what in the world they're they're the ones that are, are misbehaving or, or making these mm-hmm. choices. Like, but it really is a whole whole family perspective on a strong program. Right. That's amazing.
0: So your daughter came out of wilderness, and what yes. were some of your well struggles when when you were faced with? you know, transitioning, what do I do? And, and t- tell us a little bit about that.
1: The, the first part was choosing whether they were going to come home or go to another program, mm, um, right. which was not even something I thought was on the table when she went to wilderness. Um, what do you mean by that? I, I, I mean, I was still kind of shocked that she went to wilderness. It felt like it happened quickly. Um, and I thought, well, surely being in a program for you know, three months is, is plenty, Uh, but going on based on that her, her work, um, she needed more time, um, in another program and her time was, was coming to an end. And I think they described it beautifully. I think it was our therapist at the program that said wilderness can pour the cement, but in how it sets, um, is determined by what happens when you leave, and you don't want to go home with with wet cement. You know, I didn't want her to come home and have that cement set wonky. Um, right. I wanted oh, more I time that. for it to set. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Nobody more time for it to cement. set properly. No, with footprints <laughs> and all that. Um, so, um, how did that sit with you? Did you did
0: that resonate with you, or did it? You were like, no. What did What did you think?
1: That really resonated that phrase. And I could, I could understand it. I didn't want it, but I, I understood that to be true. And it was not, again, getting back to the family system. It wasn't just her that needed to do something different. It's the whole family system that needed to continue to shift in the right direction.
0: Oh, so maybe you felt that you needed more time too.
1: I felt like I needed more time. I, um, she has two homes, so her dad and I are divorced. And so I think it, was, it adds in an extra layer of um, cement <laughs> to be dry. <laughs> an extra layer of challenge to have everybody um, be on the same page about certain things. And have her be able to navigate two homes, not just one. And in two homes where the dynamic and the parents are different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it just it added some extra time it needed to be there, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, right um, or fortunately, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> never know yeah um, so what did what did you decide?
1: So we decided to have her go to a therapeutic boarding school um that was in Arizona, and I wanted to find something that had activities that she liked. Um, like soccer and art and dance and and those types of things. So I really wanted her to be able to engage in life things that she loved at home, but in a, in a, you know, a different environment. Um,
0: And did you feel like you were able to find it?
1: Um, that's an interesting question. I think that that met her needs in some ways and I don't think it did in other ways. And can you, Can you explain further?
0: Hmm. Or maybe not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I think for me, it it may have helped, or for her, it may have helped to pick a shorter program. It was, I think I was still thinking a lot about academics, like the academic year. She could finish out the academic year and, you know, I was concerned about her continuing in her education in a timely way. Um, Do you feel like that was it sounds like
0: maybe that got in your way or would it To explain a little bit more about that desire for education? Or do you feel like it led you in a good way?
1: Um, I think in that decision, it, it, it was a factor when it didn't have to be ah. because they can always make it up or graduate a little late or, or do something different. It doesn't have to be this rigid path that you choose when they go to school like this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad
0: you I'm glad you bring this up. I feel like that was something that that resonated with me too, that concern. And I don't know if it's just this social expectation education is everything. Don't let them skip, don't let them miss. You yes. can't get too far behind. All these and I I understand why the fear and why the concern, but like I think you're suggesting that it doesn't have to look like everything else or everybody else's kids. It's just so shocking to me, you know, cause I talk to a lot of parents, hardly any of these kids are, are really choosing the same path. But in our, think in our minds as parents, we think, well, everybody's going, everybody's going to graduate on time. Let's keep them on this, this conveyor belt of (laughs) choices that we're so used to making. And it sounds like you're real, you realized, wait a minute maybe that's not what has to happen.
1: Yeah. And I think while your child is going through treatment, you're you're still seeing all the kids that they grew up with, you know, going to prom and doing, getting their license. And, yeah. you know, she was, had just turned 15 when she went, um, which is pretty young, you know, in life. Um, but yeah, so I think just this... Um, you've got these two contrasting worlds going, going on. You've got your child in treatment and the world still keeps turning. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of letting go of that and allowing them to have their own path that they're making, um, which is no less great than, than the path of, of what it would have been before.
0: Right. That's a, that's a hard one to swallow, right? Yeah. That, that you're saying that your daughter who, who needed to, who had some maladaptive behaviors was able to mm-hmm. go to treatment. And that is no different than someone else, is kid who's like on the football team or cheerleading or whatever we think it's supposed to be going on. How did you get to that place of acceptance? Hmm.
1: Cause I think, I it's, think lovely. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: lovely. <laughs> well, it's still a work
1: in progress all the time, but it's yeah. um, learning. This is part of, of the en- enmeshment, you know, learning about that um that word <laughs> that i hadn't really heard before. Um but allowing them to have their own path and recognizing that that when i grasp to something and it is grasping um that i want for her i start to feel uneasy. And and then she starts to feel uneasy and can mm. can feel that that desire. So it can be anything from, you know, getting good grades or getting your license or a therapeutic outcome. Um, and I might be grasping to uh, the outcome of it. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's something I definitely wasn't aware of before um, she went into treatment.
0: What sure. do you, th- yeah, what do you think it sounded like for you when it got graspy for you? Like, what did that sound like to you or feel like to you? Because I think a lot of parents would say, well, of course I wanted this for them. Yeah. You know, in more of like a justification type of way. But how did it feel like for you? How did you understand and start separating? Like, wait a minute, this,
1: this is graspy. For me, it felt like overthinking. It was a lot of thinking, thinking about, okay, what can we do for this? What can we do for that? Over researching. Ah. Um, like over-preparing almost? Over-preparing, yeah. Mm. Trying to figure it out.
0: I th- um. Yeah, I think that's such a natural thing for the brain to do, yeah. right? That's like our autopilot. It just starts, especially when, when we're, we're in fear or we feel like things are unraveling, right? Our children are in danger. Whenever we start feeling like that, it's such a natural tendency to start planning and preparing. and And there's There's it's a nuance, right? It's not like don't plan or prepare anything or don't think ahead, but what did you find was the key to I guess a balance?
1: Gosh, I think learning what is a healthy amount of preparedness and research on something, and then what is it how can I find stillness? To listen to my own thoughts and, and intuition about this. So, um, for example, deciding to send her to um, therapeutic boarding school—you're getting so much input, you mm. know, from her therapist, and then the neuropsychologist, and then the trail guides, and her, and then you know her dad, and then her home therapist. There's so much input coming into a decision and being able to find stillness and calm and clarity um with all of that input yeah that's huge it was huge and still is it's still just to turn off all of it and say okay what do i really think she needs cuz um you know you know her best you know we know our kids the best you know yeah
0: i love that absolutely can you just give us uh like an example of just how you can create stillness within you. How do you do it? I think I think a lot of parents would resonate with the idea of that. Like, oh yeah, I got to get still. <laughs> but yeah. how do? You, would you mind sharing how you personally get or find
1: that stillness within yourself? Sure. A few things. One is is movement, um, especially out in the wilderness, a hike. Some deep, you know, deep breaths while walking, um, pausing like during the hike, just really um, grounding. Mm. Um, and if you can't, if there is just so much chaos going on that you can't do that, just even just getting out and putting your feet on the earth, but finding a way to ground yourself and and also asking for it, like or not even asking, just declare it. I am going to take some time for myself right now. Yeah, um, and then something that um, I learned from you, my coach, I can say that, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> my post um, post wilderness post therapeutic boarding school coach um, is the thoughts download um, that you taught me, and that is just a word brain dump, and you know it it just really cuts down on the noise and organizes the thoughts. And get some out of your head onto paper, so they're not in the head so much. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so so glad that I, I would
1: say those two things have really, really helped me. Awesome.
0: Hello, and thank you so much for listening to today's interview. I know you want more, and so do I. Come back next week to hear more from Amy about her experience deciding the next steps for her family after wilderness was over. I also want to mention that. This podcast is not for or against any treatment. It's not for wilderness or against wilderness. It's not for therapeutic boarding school or against it or residential. It's not either. This podcast is just sharing parents' and families' experiences. Thanks. Hey there. Thank you for joining me today. If you know a struggling parent, please share this with them. If you have any questions or want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Beth Hillman Coaching or through my website, BethHillmanCoaching.com. And remember parents, the change begins
1: with us.